0: button. Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. I am Miss Melmore.
1: And I am Mr. Craigus,
0: And we're alive. We're back after, I don't know, we're what back was it, three weeks? <clears throat> something. are back. Yeah. Like that. Um, we had to and take a turkey a break. Turkey break. Yeah, we just, you know, we needed that siesta to digest all the, what is it? Trip, trypto?
1: Tryptophan. Tryptophan.
0: Um, and I also had to, like, move to a new country. To move! Yeah. Which is... Literally, not an exaggeration. Not an exaggeration. I am, we are coming, to, I am coming to you live. Well, not live, but recorded from Toronto. <laughs> um, which is also forming the basis for um, one, of, one of our two topics today. We're kind of... We've got a good segue. We've got a smart segue. Um, our first topic... Today is Canadian Horror Films, as we promised long ago that we would do in honor of the move, the great move, TM. Um, and then from there, we're going to shift into a little holiday, little holiday horror talk, um, because we're probably not going to record before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to have that, and it won't be, it, it will be something less special than Thanks Killing. <laughs> But you know, isn't everything <clears throat> Yes. So um yeah, I mean I guess we can just dive right in. we <laughs> yeah, that's all I for Introing it if, up. If,
1: right. I mean between those two, I'm sure we'll be touching on a good number of mm-hmm. of titles here. So yeah. you know you guys will have a lot to watch over your your holiday. your holiday
0: as we're all buried in snow and cold because it seems like it's just the arctic everywhere <clears throat>
1: mm-hmm. it's getting really cold here in dc
0: mm-hmm.
1: so although, to, although i think next week it's supposed to be like back in. Yeah, the i'm going 40s. home
0: for a hot second um for christmas and it's supposed to be like in the 40s and i'm like that sounds so nice right now we're <laughs> <More> hot <laughs> yesterday was 19 degrees uh, wind chill had us around five, and there was, like, surprise blizzard. so. So, you we know. up in the Great White North. Great White North. Yeah. That's what the toques are for. <laughs> I bought one at the Christmas market. Anyway.
1: Did you really? I, mean, I did. Amazing. I'm
0: going to wear it. Not right now. They can't. Well, I mean, um, I'm just know I will be wearing it. Right. Craig and everyone else. <laughs> All right. So, do you want to I know. To we know. Canadian horror films? Yeah. Yeah, sure.
1: I mean, I feel like you can't talk about horror that comes from Canada without talking about David Cronenberg. Mm -hmm. So I just want to, like, touch on him briefly. Um, Obviously not, like, delve into his entire career or anything.
0: Our third topic is a (laughs) biography of David Cronenberg.
1: Right? <coughs> a there. But a if you don't days. know, David Cronenberg is a big name in horror. However, he's largely abandoned the genre mm-hmm. now. He hasn't really worked in it for I don't know Since crap Probably close to twenty years. <laughs> um <laughs> But like for the longest time he was the master of Sort of a subgenre in horror that people call body horror, mm-hmm. which involves the human body somehow being altered by disease, parasitism, or as Cronenberg sort of invented, technology. So in his film Videodrome, there's this giant conspiracy that gets uncovered where human beings are being pressured to become part of the new flesh, which is a combination of human flesh and, of all things, VCRs. <laughs> it was, what
0: was it, 1993, 83? 83. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, good old Diodro. And that sounds, like, ridiculous, and it is kind of ridiculous, because everything that Cronenberg does is kind of ridiculous, but it is really gross to watch. Mm-hmm. In his movies, you always get, like, these crazy icky visceral reactions from yes. um, the final scene in his or not the final scene but like the climax of his movie the brood is a perfect example of that where like this the this woman is giving like external births to these demon children and stuff it, it's as one it's does so i would like in so incredible as one does in canada
0: yeah, um, I, it, and that's like, and there's like I guess a lot of stuff about the psychology of it because it's all about like the fear like the fear of like foreign invasion in the body and like the way you just kind of like, like it's super fricked up. And you see it in later um, Canadian horror films. One that I think we'll talk about is Splice, um, which is kind of a bigger name one. But it's like, it's definitely like a precursor I think to Hellraiser, which is body horror in a different way. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But um
1: yeah absolutely that's so funny I didn't even really think
0: yeah. too much about Hellraiser
1: but I feel like what Clive Barker was doing there was like a mirror
0: yeah. to a lot of what Cronenberg did it was, a, did preced- it was a precedent for for Hellraiser I think yeah um and there's
1: was kind of this like cool sort of trend you can watch with Cronenberg's films. Like, with Shivers, his first film, it's everything that sort of drives people... It takes place in this apartment complex, and there's, like, this disease, this parasite that turns people into, like, sex maniacs, basically. And it's it's a pretty simple premise, like, outside invasion, fuck shit. But then, along, things get a bit more complicated, and he kind of starts combining the organic and the technological, which I feel like culminates in his remake of The Fly with mm. Jeff Goldblum playing the scientist because yeah. in that final scene, he's <coughs> all fucked up in the teleporter and then he's fucked up because of the accident with, with The Fly. So it's like the ultimate corruption
0: mm-hmm.
1: of the human form. Yeah, um, And that that wasn't his last film, but I feel like that was the last film he like kind of gave his all. And then he sort of like, petered out after that like existence wasn't very good and then he just kind of stopped um and I think that's kind of a bummer because I would be really interested to see what a contemporary body would look like now from from him specifically yeah just because like you well because you were saying Miss Mel just like it all has to do with the idea and the fear of invasion oh yeah and There's... a foreign entity. And I feel like that's so much in the, to use an annoying word, the zeitgeist right now. <laughs> and Just the position. culture, fears of the other, fears of especially that word foreign. Mm. So I would love to that. Yeah, see that actually work.
0: would be a very interesting. And, um,. The thing is, too, and the, the, like part of the reason that I can't do a lot of body horror for me is because like I've got serious like tripod phobia where it's like this it's based in a biological like what they refer to as biological revulsion, where basically what it is is this holes freak me out. I can't do holes like those seed pods that people put in their potpourri. I will flip out like I've thrown them out <laughs> before in people's houses. <laughs> Because it freaks me out. And that's like the type of thing is it's like, it doesn't even need to be obviously his are very visceral and very literal sometimes, but a lot of it doesn't even need to be that. It's just the suggestion of something being off and kind of like in the fly where you have the transformation um, from Jeff Goldblum to um, full fly Jeff Goldblum. Full fly monster. You know, things start out subtle and it's sort of just like deformations and then it kind of just moves into just total like fuck uppery and mm-hmm. it's really it really really gets you I mean there's it's like a very very subtle very very unsettling way to do horror it
1: is and you're the I think you're the exact kind of person he
0: yeah he wants was like to thing. watch
1: his movies yeah <laughs> yeah um because he's not I mean he's not a no one has ever called Cronenberg a shy director hmm I mean, he makes you look at that
0: he's, it's shit kind of like, and he's
1: um, unapologetic about it.
0: His philosophy in it too reminds me a little bit of Alexander McQueen's philosophy in fashion where he was basically like, mm. I want people to be... I'd rather have people running out of my fashion shows throwing up than have no reaction. Um, and he made some crazy shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's like the thing is, is you have to engage with it that way. Like, you know, this isn't for like, oh, like I saw... Ouija and it was cool and I want to watch more horror movies it's like you have to have a real appreciation for Mm
1: -hmm. filmmaking
0: and the psychology behind it and the philosophy behind the many ways you can do um horror and and terror and stuff like that so
1: yeah I mean he's definitely a member of that school where you know he believes horror should get a physical reaction from its audience and he does his damnedest to achieve that. Yeah. So just definitely wanted to give him a mention. Also, fun fact, he had a supporting role in Jason X. The greatest,
0: most prolific of Halloween films.
1: (laughs) So yeah, good old Cronenberg. And um, yeah, he's done a lot. People, people still look at his movies. People still write about his movies. I'm sure we'll, you know, reference them in, in many future episodes, hmm. but I definitely just—he's like the you know the go-to Canadian horror director. Horror dude. So.
0: Yeah. So the first one on my list that I've mentioned a few times, when <laughs> when we said oh let's do Canadian horror, the very first thing that came to my mind was Cube.
1: Yeah. Which
0: is like um it came out in the nineties. And it's this, like, it's this strange, like, sort of, like, puzzle, philosophical, saw-type horror film about this group of people who are trapped in this giant, um three-dimensional maze where they have to go through these rooms and the rooms have to f- A cube! A to cube, go one might say. <laughs> uh, and they're going through these different rooms and some of them have traps and some of them don't and they start to realize there's like math employed to figure out like which rooms have traps and which rooms are safe and how the cube is shifting around and like, Which, sidebar, I would be in there forever. Yeah, no, because I'd be done.
1: I would not have <laughs> accomplished we would, the math. We'd still deal. be in
0: there now. Um, yeah, I was... We are recording from the cube. From the cube. From in, live from inside the cube. Um, live from inside right. the cube. And basically, there's this element of where they start to, like, turn on each other, because they, like, have their sort of, like, when you have the survival roles, like, the leader, the math person, the person who seems to secretly know things, that sort of thing. And it's, like, it gets just... Dis- I hate using this. We're using a lot of pretentious words today. But it gets... I- it. It has a software. rap for being a Kos- Kafka-esque film, um, which is a term that gets thrown out a lot and isn't accurate a lot of the time because people just kind of use it for anything that's like kind of weird. But this is very Kafka-esque because there's a the way it ends and sort of the truth of the cube, um, which I won't give away, is um, kind of like a little like I don't even know like V for Vendetta. It's, it's it's such a strange. <laughs> It's very strange. And this is, I think,
1: sorry, I was just, no, go for it. A part of why it's so strange is because like, it doesn't really give you an explanation for anything. Mm -mm. And I'm not just talking about like the events of like the plot, like who these people are and why they're there. But like, it has a weird like structure. Mm -hmm. It has a weird timeline. It's, even the filmmaking is very weird. Yeah. And I think it's it so kind of like, you
0: know, things before they are actually are revealed in the plot sometimes.
1: Yeah. Because I mean, the, the
0: acting is not
1: stellar, but the setting and the, like the production design and the filmmaking is really, really well crafted. And mm-hmm. that like draws you in. Yeah.
0: I, I don't know. It's, it's,
1: it's I really kind of really like you. a
0: really messy version of what Kubrick did with his directing of The Shining where and this is again going back to the Kafkaesque um definition where it's you know mm-hmm. a nightmarish chaotic like surreal environment that's got some sort of authority controlling figure happening over it um is kind of like the definition of Kafkaesque so you've got this like plot that's kind of weird and doesn't make sense and this building cube thing that's you know does for the longest time doesn't make sense and even when they think they have the math of it they realize they're wrong at a certain point they've done something wrong yeah. um but Cube is i think like a good example of the thing about canadian films specifically i guess canadian horror films or canadian like entertainment media in general is it's either some big name thing that you didn't know was produced in Canada, or it's these random little like indie projects like this, where it's like such weird experimental filmmaking because they can basically do whatever they want. Cause they don't have like a Hollywood type thing breathing down their necks. Right. So, which makes it a great playground for something, someone like Cronenberg mm-hmm. or these films like Q where it's like weird philosophical, um, and crazy weird looking sort of set even, too, with the way the rooms look. They're like, it's very, I guess it's very 90s with like the neon colors and stuff. But um
1: yeah, that definitely comes through.
0: Yeah. but um, <laughs> And there was the um, sequel, Cube Squared. Um,
1: Cube, Squared. Mm-hmm. Cube Squared. There's even a third one.
0: Yeah. And they're uh, doing a remake, actually, Cube too. Cube Zero. Or at least they announced the remake back in 2015, um, and they were calling it Cubed. So, oh my God! There's many iterations.
1: I don't know. I don't know what that's gonna look like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because like, I think the one of the big now goals I, for this is how low budget it seemed too.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm also thinking like now in a post Saw mm, horror yeah, landscape. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What do
1: you do with a, another cube to make it stand out from that franchise? Yeah. And I and I don't. I don't really have the answer to that, but then I'm not in charge of that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not not privy to that information. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think, too, you know, for something like that, you'd really have to play up, and this is kind of like what we were talking about with Cronenberg, is like playing up the psychology behind it, especially in today's day and age, where it's like, you know, We've now got all this stuff with, like, you know, hackers and the U.S. election and the ways that the media causes things to happen and this sort of overarching, you know, decision making that seems to be happening without people really knowing how or why or what's going on. So you could play with the psychological aspect, but part of the danger of the film is that every room has some kind of trap in it, so it's, like, difficult to get rid of that. Yeah. I mean, I
1: would be interested in it. Like, I mm-hmm. want, I would want a, like, a really cool We'd be happy another...
0: to be given the I rights ha- and make it ourselves. <laughs> I yeah. That,
1: I mean, I would, that would be a cool challenge. Yeah. Um, and that is
0: a thing, too, I think people have to look at with doing remakes is, like, how do you do it now? Like, The Exorcist was scary. Right. I mean, I still think it's scary. But, you know, it was terrifying when it came out. Now we've got every film was made using The Exorcist's formula. So it's people are desensitized that they see, like, all the Conjuring movies first and then go back and see Exorcist. So it's like if someone were to say, okay, I want to remake the scariest movie of all time, how are you going to do that? Like, this is the world we live in now.
1: (laughs) Because it's not just about, like, remaking the same movie with up, they
0: like they did with special
1: effects and they didn't even and update haircuts.
0: they didn't even update the special effects in Poltergeist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's about like digging into the fear of the culture and mm-hmm. the times um, that's that's where a great horror is yeah. it's a reflection of what is what's going on in the world what are people afraid of yeah that's the and,
0: that's, time. and then um, trying yeah, really. Like, yeah, both going so, to be polite, and they'd be like, "I'm too Canadian now. I've gone native." Um, <laughs> you've barely been there. I've barely <laughs> been there. Um, I've been here for three weeks. They've taken me over. Really? I have this random fear that like they're not going to let me go home. They're going to be like, "No, you are Canadian now," because of the whole Trump thing. Um, but which would that, that really be so bad? I know. I know. <laughs> um, you know, then but, you wouldn't have to deal with it. But, yeah, that was, like, one of the good things, I think, actually, that came out of the Scream TV series, because they did, they pulled kind of the same motif where they have the film class discussing, like, horror films, kind of on the nose, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, where they basically said, you know... <laughs> it's a good way to describe the show in general. <laughs> it's on the nose, on the nose but nose, kind of fun. <laughs> Where basically you have these things where people are like, you know, the point of horror movies is a lot like dreaming where it's like you're there to expel emotions and have the the great philosophical aforementioned catharsis that comes with horror and tragedy and all that good stuff. So, yeah, that's the thing is is you're watching horror because and you're, re- you're making horror because you want to get reactions out of people. Um... Not just because you too can pick up a camera and make a found footage film. <clears throat> Blair Witch. Too. Huh, Looking at Blair Witch. Um but yeah, Data uh, I Cube is really good. Um it's a great it introduction great. to I think Canadian films in general, just because it's very and it was the first um oh what was it? I forget what it's called, like Canada's version of the AFI or something like that. It was the first film they ever produced. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. Cube.
1: Good old Cube. Good old Cube. I, I do really like Cube. Yeah. So.
0: Do you have an, the next
1: one? <laughs> yeah. I was, I, well, obviously several. Mm-hmm. Um, but one that we have mentioned on the show a good bit um, Grave Encounters.
0: Yes. Oh my God. Um, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. I, yeah, I don't Anywhere.
1: think it's either. um What
0: a great. Accidentally great film.
1: I know. And that is just like, you know, kind of what you've been talking about. It, it's like the perfect example of um, Canadian filmmakers and production companies not having the pressures and restrictions of Hollywood and churning out a really entertaining yeah. <laughs> movie. Oh Yeah, and we don't have to talk about it too much because we have discussed it on the the show. I I don't know. We have, definitely, right? I I don't
0: know to what extent,
1: but... I don't know to what extent. But (laughs) Grave Encounters is um, a found footage movie that follows um, the crew of a paranormal reality TV show as they lock themselves in a haunted, supposedly haunted, psychiatric hospital for, um, you know... A a big special episode or whatever. It's ghost
0: adventures, essentially.
1: Yeah, essentially, it's like one of those ghost adventures, ghost hunters, you know, all that. They have their
0: own Zach Bagans.
1: They do. They they really do. um, Um, Yeah, and uh, uh, basically, because of the events that transpire while they lock themselves in for the night, per their arrangement with the groundskeeper what we see be- ends up becoming the final episode of yeah. the show.
0: Yeah, I think they actually pre, at the very <laughs> beginning, there's like a producer talking, saying this is the final episode, like giving us a little yeah um, before they roll the tape. But um, it's just, first of all, part of the the initial fun of it in the first five minutes is if anyone has ever watched Ghost Adventures, because this is heavily supposed to be parodying that specific reality show uh, like, they're completely ridiculous like dude bros running around with cameras <laughs> in the middle of the night so their host is basically like a zach bagan's lookalike, whose um stage name is lance preston which is incredible he wears a leather jacket and he's got gelled hair and he's like yeah like we're going into the darkness and like all this other stuff um what was it like death awaits is like written on the door and he's like death awaits and he's like mugs the camera and it's great and it's fun and um that's part of it too i think too is like all the characters there isn't a character i didn't find entertaining in this movie
1: oh no yeah it's it's totally like i don't want to call it a good movie but i also don't want to call it a bad movie yeah but like it is without question a fun movie mm. and an entertaining movie. And I mean, the characters are great. Yeah. Like you, there's something about all of them that you're just like, yes, yes you. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, and it's effective. Yeah. Um, to say all that, like the, the editing, the filming is, there's some genuinely scary moments yeah
0: and even with and they you know pool tricks to sort of disguise too like obviously the low budget special Mm -hmm. effects they had like they work because of the way they do them and the way they sort of set up the atmosphere of this place and the way they even go about um you know doing the night vision and the way the shots are are kind of mapped out like that's
1: yeah you're just making me think they do like because they use like different camera types yeah
0: yeah, yeah, they don't, yeah, like different uh, people have different cameras. Like somebody's got the steady cam and then there's somebody with like a handheld camera and I think there's like a phone at one point.
1: Yeah. And that creates a really awesome effect to like maximize, yeah. Like the atmosphere of fear. Like do you know what I'm saying? Like Yeah, cuz they also had the steady cams too. Going too that back they'd and switch, to. switch yeah. too. Yeah, and that like that it reminds me of The Bay. Yes. They yes. did that too. The bay, and they did yeah. it really well. The Bay with a um, Y. Not bubbe. Yeah, <laughs> not not, not that. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's and there's no filler, which I really no. Like. They like, just they it's go.
0: The closest tight. thing like, to filler incredible. is the thirty seconds in the beginning where they're like, "Oh, this is the last episode," and then you go into it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's just the comedy. It's like very comedic, like which is great in the beginning, and it's not comedic. Like, oh, we're telling jokes. It's like literally, these people are ridiculous. And, like, mm-hmm. there's a few of them that know that they're ridiculous, and then you're just kind of... It's, like, a little bit like an episode of The Office in the beginning. Um, and, it's, and, it's, and it is genuinely scary because it is, like, a big... So, like, what ends up happening is um, when they're supposed to be let out at 8 a.m., the sun's supposed to be up, it's still dark outside. And all the doors are locked, and suddenly the door that they use to get in only leads to a longer part, like, more of the, the hospital. And to me, that's terrifying. Like it's kind of like what was that um, with a uh, John Cusick fourteen oh eight. Fourteen oh eight. I knew it was fourteen oh or something, and I was gonna say <laughs> six. Um, <laughs> where it's like he can't get out of the room, and like you just right. can't escape, even though like outside is like right there, and that's like a big thing that gets me. So they use that yeah. really effectively. That's
1: like that moment where and and you have to work hard to pull this moment off well, especially in a found footage, because it's, like, the moment where everybody accepts that, like, things are going to shit. Yeah. You know? That, like, key turning point. Yeah,
0: there's, like, where all the this sort of skeptic shit is over, and everyone's, like, it's become yeah. a survival movie now.
1: Yeah, like, I don't know, like, when the pots fall and paranormal activity, yeah. or, or like, I don't know, something in Blair Witch you, you know like the because that's that moment where they're yeah. all like oh my god fucked yeah and you can screw that up really easily in a lot of yeah. horror movies but they do it well
0: yeah and it's, it's and it's impressive just because the tone of the film in the beginning is so not like it's so playful and like it seems like it's going to be like a really bad film In terms of like, okay, are they playing it for serious? Are they being ironic? Which is, I think, part of the thing is you kind of have to know the culture around it too. Because I think it's very hard to misinterpret the beginning of the film. Because it's basically supposed to be like a parody of paranormal TV show, reality TV shows. And so it's played up that way. Um, And then it makes a great transition into being, like you said, like serious. Like, oh, this is where something really fucked up is happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it just works really, really, really well. It does. Yeah. it does. The sequel is whatever, but yeah, uh, the sequel yeah. is black, But um, yeah, yeah. this is this is a good one.
1: Yeah, definitely good check film, out the first one.
0: But it is very entertaining and more solid than it should have been for what it was. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh so,
1: yeah.
0: So, the next one that I have, yeah, go for straddles it. Straddles are. This is what I was talking about, and, and you know where it's like it's either super experimental indie or big name movie you didn't know was Canadian, and that's Silent Hill. Mm. <laughs> because Silent Hill has such a reputation as like the sort of like genesis to like the horror video game franchise, and and um it set up a lot of motifs and precedents for that type of story, I guess. It's a very unique, and this is again one of those things that scares me, where it's like you're in a place and you can see how to get out of it, but you can't quite get to it. Because what goes on with Silent Hill is um, this woman and her daughter get trapped in this town. Um, and everything in it is kind of weird. It's very, it's misty, there's ash everywhere, There doesn't see, it seems abandoned. And the road to get to the other side where they came from has been like cut off. Even though they can see the other side and they can see out of the town, they can't get to it. And that freaks me out. But basically the the daughter has been having these nightmares about a place called Silent Hill. And her parents are nervous because she was adopted. And like that's where they adopted her from. So she goes to take her there and, like, shit happens. And this place is infested with strange sort of demonic creatures. Like, everyone's seen a pyramid head walking around at some sort of comic con. Um, And it's just, it's like a combination of, like, zombie film, sort of, like, demonic, like, Hellraiser-esque scenario um, on top of, like, haunted, abandoned town vibe. And mm-hmm. the end of the movie is bad. Like I hate the the end. But...
1: Yeah, it, it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's um, and the the performances are pretty mediocre. Yeah, even though Sean um, Bean's in it, he is in it, <laughs> and he
0: survived. But, you know,
1: you know what it feels like to me every time I like catch Silent Hill. And I think it's because of the the production design and like the look of the sets. Mm-hmm. It feels like a haunted house ride. Yeah. Almost, in a way. And I'm not saying, like, that's not a bad thing to me. Like, I think that's unique and it's cool. But (laughs) I think because of, like, their focus on the creatures and, like, there's not too many jump scares in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Yeah, it's a very atmospheric
1: thing. Yeah. And it's cool. It's cool. Um, Um,
0: And, like... It's very much you can feel like it being something that was based on a video game. Like you can see them sort of yes. bringing, and if you've ever played the video game, you can kind of see almost like the levels and sort of that thing coming to life, even though it's a very different story. Um, you definitely get that in um, the, the sort of just overall vibe of the film.
1: Yeah. And it's definitely like, I feel like it's a cut above most video game adaptations. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like, yeah, it's not the best movie out there, but it's in, ter- in terms of video game movies, it's one of the the top ones. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like, didn't they just come out with like a World of Warcraft movie?
0: Yeah, which I and did I remember not...
1: seeing the previews and being like, that looks like garbage. Yep. It's worth a watch. Yeah. Not really the sequel though.
0: Uh wasn't there there were several, I think.
1: Or was there, there just several?
0: the one? Or was it just Silent Hill Revelation? Maybe I like dreamed that there was movies in between that. I watched the sequel once. It was you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, Revel yeah. I th- I thought there was just Revelation, but who knows?
0: Yeah, who knows. Um But yeah, I mean it's very much a visual horror movie, especially with Silent Hill Revelation where it was basically a horror film tailored for three D. Um Yeah you know, and you go to see it because of the visuals and it's kind of like going through a haunted house or I'm sure Universal had a, a Silent Hill themed uh, thing at some point in yeah. their many haunted houses. But um, yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, it's interesting because the sort of basis for Silent Hill, um, it's interesting to look at it because the, the video game is Japanese, um, but the basis for it, is actually from a small town in Pennsylvania. So it's like a very weird way to track like the cultural history <laughs> of this film from small town Pennsylvania to Japan to Canada. It um,
1: becomes like a transcontinental horror film. Yeah, but
0: you know, and it's, it's worth a watch if only because it's kind of, you know, one of the, the big horror films that people see, um, whether, you know, it's good or not. And the video game is kind of the prominent uh, horror video game. Um, That Mm. scared all of, you know, the now 30-year-olds who are um, playing video games. Like, that was the original scary horror film. Or horror video game, rather.
1: Horror game, yeah.
0: But. Silent Hill.
1: Silent Hill. Do-do-do. do -do. shoo ba do do -do. Indeed. Yeah. It's on a lot on sci-fi, I feel like. It is, Yeah.
0: and Revelation was on Netflix I don't know if it still is American Netflix Netflix. I learned very quickly there's a difference between Canadian and American Netflix Um, The Force Awakens is on Canadian Netflix though. so guess what I watched last night oh wow Yeah. so is Green Room
1: good job Canadian Netflix that's
0: a good horror thriller sort of psychological escape film and uh, Anton Yelchin's last film oh Oh. oh, Yeah. yeah but yeah that's Silent Hill I have one on my list that I think is on your list, but I want to hear if you say it first.
1: Oh, gosh. Um, Is it Ginger Snaps? No, but I thought about that. I love Ginger Snaps. (laughs) The movies, not the cookies. The cookies are okay.
0: The cookies will give you, Um, like, acid reflux. Listen. I
1: love... Okay, so the movie Ginger Snaps. I love it because it stars one of my absolute favorite working horror actresses and just horror people in general, Catherine Isabel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was her, well, I don't think it was her first role, but like it was definitely her breakout role. Um, and the sequels, but Catherine Isabel has gone on to do a lot of other horror stuff. Um, Freddie vs Jason, 30 days of night, American Mary. She got a lot of attention for that. She's, Anyway, Ginger Snaps is a Canadian, teenage, werewolf, black comedy horror movie. Get <laughs> and all if you're qualifiers. not convinced by that, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, if you're not interested in that, forget you. Um, so, Catherine Isabel's character, Ginger, she is... She and her sister are these, like, you know... Goofy, but inseparable outsiders, you know, so they don't really care because they have each other. Um, But then... Isn't that sweet? Ginger is attacked by a werewolf during her very first menstruation. And so as she transforms into the werewolf, so she has her sexual awakening... Which soon turns very, very violent. And it's just so fucking great. <laughs> it's so intelligent. And it's, so it's like the
0: greatest blend between sexual things and horror things and kind of the taboo of sex and sex meaning yeah. and, and horror motifs having things to do it with is. sex. Yeah. And it's, and not, got it's not vampires.
1: And it doesn't have vampires. And it's obviously, it's not the first, you know, horror movie to equate monstrosity with sexuality, female sexuality, repressed sexuality. It's not even the first werewolf movie to do that. But it's very, it still kind of was unique in the way that it did it. And it's very stylized. Um, And I could talk about it for a whole episode, (laughs) which hopefully one day we will do. But, um, it's also really, really fun, and sad. Um, But, yeah. Ginger Snaps. Ginger Snaps.
0: Yeah, it's like, um, a really fucked up version of Frozen a little bit, in terms of, like... Yeah! Yeah. The ending, and, and the relationships, and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. But I like it.
1: I like it. Oh, I got a lot.
0: I have okay. So I have a feeling what
1: it was on your list that I didn't say because I said Ginger Snaps. Is it
0: Haunter? It is. Ha! Haunter. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess we're going to talk about Haunter now. Um, sure. This is one that Craig had me watch because he was like, "Did you see it?" And I was like, "No." He's like, "You just see it." Um, I think it's still on <laughs> Netflix. I'm not sure. Um, I think it is. I feel
1: like I scrolled past it the other day.
0: Yeah, it's it's like, has hey, going it's strong hard. on Netflix. It came out in 2013. Um, it's hard to talk about this without giving away what's actually going on in the film, but basically this teenage girl is living in her house and it's kind of like not an ideal situation with her parents and family and she thinks, she starts to hear noises and thinks like there's some sort of spirit of some kind of angry man in the house that's, um, and like some in other spirits as well that are kind of haunting the house, and it turns out that that's not quite what's happening in the house.
1: No, um, you're so right. It's so—it's really hard to talk, to talk about. about
0: <laughs> Just know that like the mid, there's like a midpoint plot twist where you kind of figure out what's going on, and you can kind of figure it out going in if you know, like, in you sense things aren't quite the way that they are portrayed and something weird's going on and you can probably figure it out yourself before it's revealed, because I think we both did when we watched it. Um, mm-hmm.
1: But, like, later than
0: I would have thought. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know? Like, I figured it out before the movie clues you in, but, mm-hmm. like, I still spent a good while... Being like, what exactly is and happening? And you're
0: still not even sure, like maybe that's not quite it. And it's like and it's layered really well the the sort of layers of finding out exactly what's going on in this house. Um, and in that it's like almost very psychological. Um it's like one of the best ways I've seen sort of a plot twist handled in in recent times. Um yeah.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. It's so interesting. It's like Groundhog Day meets
0: Mm.
1: the others with a little bit of the lovely bones.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: (laughs) yes. And it's a very good twist on the typical ghost story. Um, And I like ghost horror movies. A lot of people don't, I feel like a lot of people don't give that subgenre enough credit. Yeah. Yeah. have a really, Right, really interesting stuff like this. Um and who doesn't love like stories, you know, that revolve around a house with a secret? Yeah. And a malevolent spirit. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. No, it's just basically all you would say is go watch it. It's a very well written, um yeah. pretty well constructed film. There's, you know, the only issue I had with it is the ending. Um in the way it ends, and kind of, I wasn't yeah. sure if the mythology of the film was built up enough to justify the way it ended. Um, but overall, well, it's, and really it's solid. That's when it
1: kind of dips out of horror and sort of falls into melodrama.
0: Yeah.
1: Which I don't know that was the best move on yeah. their part. But um, Abigail Breslin is the lead, and she's very good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> A Scream Queens fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amongst other
1: things. Yeah. But yeah, Haunter. Yeah. Haunter. Haunter. Um. (sighs) Someone else is in that. Like. Oh. But I. I don't. I can't remember who I'm thinking of. Like someone actually worth Mentioning. <laughs> Sorry to everybody else in the cast of Haunter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. It's just and that even there to me being like, oh, do you mean that I can't even ask?
1: Yeah, I it know. Will give it
0: away. It's
1: okay. Sorry. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. One more big one that I definitely wanted to mention. Um. That I felt should be talked about. Um. Is the Changeling.
0: Ooh. I didn't even think of
1: that. Mm Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good just film in general that is um, not talked about as often as it probably should be. Um, And one of my favorites. I have it in my personal collection. I try and watch it, like, once a year. Mm -hmm. Um, Directed by Peter Medic in 1980 with George C. Scott and... um, who's the... Trish fan. Trish something. Trish fan something. Jean Marsh Ed, um, has the cameo as the wife in the beginning. Um, but it's this is so... This movie is so fucking creepy. Um, it centers around a man, George C. Scott's character, who is staying in this... It's not abandoned. What's It's a secluded... I don't know. It's this big mansion. And he finds that there's the presence of some sort of specter in the house. Um, you know, really simple premise, but it, it executes it super, super well. Um, it's like one of the... Uh, fucking love the changeling but I like don't know how to talk about it because mm-hmm. it's not it's all about the story yeah like most horror films that even have really good stories are still just about like trying to scare you yeah um, yeah this is, this is dramatic this is like... <laughs> I'm we're gonna tell our story and then like scare you in between where mm-hmm. I feel like it's reversed or a lot of other horror movies, um, which is fine, but, but I don't know. This it's it's very refreshing. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, this is another one where we're saying go see it, <laughs> go find it. Yeah, go see it.
1: Like just one of my like my one of my favorite things and really well done horror movies is focus on atmosphere mm. and the changeling accomplishes that really, really well. Um, and takes sort of mundane things and imbues them with, with like a sense of dread and terror. Like this movie will make you terrified of wheelchairs of all things. Um,
0: yeah. Cause that ending shot is pretty,
1: yeah, there's just so much dread. Like it's just dripping with dread mm-hmm. the whole time. Even in the even in like the first first half, maybe even like the first two acts of the film, where not a whole lot is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cinematography and the way it's edited, and it's just a beautiful movie to look at. Um, and I don't yeah, it's changeling. I should have like took, taken time to gather my thoughts more because I really, really love this movie, but I think for now all I can say is just shit. Yeah. It. Tweet me about it.
0: Tweet me about it. Um, so I think for the next one, this is gonna be our transition film, and I think it's on your list, so I think you yeah. should take it as well. Um, but we've mentioned it before a few times as well, because it's kind of one of the this really really early s- serial killer um, films.
1: Yeah, we have talked about this and kind of like, yeah, one of the slasher um, parents, I was going to say grandfather, and then I was going to say father, and I was like, none of that sounds right. Oh, well, I went with parents. <laughs> one of the parents. Um, one
0: of the, the godparents.
1: The godparents of, you know, the modern slasher, as it were. Slashers. And that is Bob Clark's Black Christmas. And if you come at me with the remake, I will end you. People
0: listening. Yeah, that remake because... did happen. And I feel like it was... Was it direct to... Was it in theaters, or was it... Because I feel like I only ever saw the preview for it with another DVD I had. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> like, I wouldn't know. I didn't I see it. I wouldn't know, because
1: I didn't see it, and I don't want to see it, because I was really mad that they made a remake of it at all. Because um, Black Christmas is, as it stands, the original 1974 version, essentially perfect. Uh-huh. Um, it concerns a sorority house, Um, Right before they leave for Christmas break, who find themselves, find the house terrorized by a stranger that is making threatening phone calls, and then escalates into more sinister acts. Sinister is also Um, a Canadian horror film. (laughs) It is. Anyway. So like, super simple premise, like it's been done to death in slasher films now, but of course, in nineteen seventy four, mm-hmm. it um, was, you know, new and fresh and all that fun stuff, and it's still um, really effective now. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and the thing is, is too is is like watching it because it's in it's in black and white, isn't it? I believe it's in black it's and in white. color. Oh, is it in color? I feel like I watched mm-hmm. it in black and white. Maybe I'm like totally... Well, I mean, that's possible. <laughs> I think I watched the black and white version of it. Um... It's also,
1: it was also one of the um, first uh, killer POV yes.
0: shots.
1: Yeah, um, that not is the
0: first. Keeping Tom one was the first. the first.
1: Yeah, you know, everyone likes to talk about the opening scene of Halloween when Michael kills... Um, his older sister, and that is a very, very well done scene and it's very effective, but um, all the kills in Black Christmas are done through killer POV shots. Um, And this is also, it was like the first, this is like a weird distinction to make, but it was like the first time where there was a slasher movie concerning a killer who struck around a particular date on the calendar. Yeah. And then now you've got Halloween, Michael Myers, Friday the 13th, Jason. Yeah. There are movies where killers – My Bloody Valentine, uh, Leprechaun, um, April Fool's Day, New Year's Evil. Every date on the calendar has someone that's going to be trying to kill you now. And it started – With Black Christmas. With Black Christmas. um. And, as is often the case with Things That Do It First, this movie is much more interesting than all those other movies. Um, And the characters are a lot more realistic because they haven't been parodied and stereotyped, you know, 18 times over in the next 40 years and stuff.
0: Yeah, and... um it's one of those things, too, I think, that kind of plays on the urban legend of, like, oh, this is a thing that happens around this time of year. Tonight's the night that, like you said, it was the first time that anyone kind of did, like, this sort of mm-hmm. date-specific, um, time-period-specific um killing thing where it was like oh you just got unlucky because you were out at the wrong time um which was kind of the big thing with the first halloween film where it was like he just went after babysitters and that stuff. Mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean and it's like you can't whether you find it scary still or not or find it interesting still or not like it is the original like kind basically the original serial killer slasher film it's also like one of i want to say like one of the original sort of like Hallow or not halloween um christmas horror films because now it's become a thing yeah where christmas is a time where people will release horror films um and even make horror themed um or christmas themed horror films like krampus and some other mm-hmm. ones um but this was kind of the first time somebody did something like that too i mean and it's like you know literally like black christmas yeah
1: there was like a huge not that you know we are going to get into everything surrounding black Christmas, but there was huge controversy when the movie came out. Um, and opposition, the idea of applying some, a dark sinister macabre story to Christmas. Mm -hmm. I mean, people lost their shit in 74. Yeah. Um,
0: talk about keep Christ in Christmas.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. And now, I mean, you know, it's been done again and again, sometimes more effectively than others. Um, but it's, it's, for anyone who cares about their horror history or respects the genre or calls themselves a genre buff, you know, Black Christmas has got to be on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Um, just very influential, very classy, um, and, you know, you get to see Margot Kidder and Olivia Hussey run around and be Scream Queens, and yeah. that's fun.
0: That's fun.
1: It's very fun. And um, fun fact for Christmas and horror lovers combined: Bob Clark, who directed Black Christmas, also directed A Christmas Story. So <laughs> compare those two. Do a little. Uh, do with that Bob what you double will. Double feature. Yeah. Do with that what you will. So yeah, I would love to do a whole episode on Black Christmas sometime. I think there's a lot to talk yeah, about it. Yeah,
0: culturally, there's a lot going on there, too. So so there is one Christmas horror movie that you cannot not talk about. <laughs> um, a Gift of the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked out nicely because somebody I work with actually was going to see this. It was playing at a cinema um, after work. Yeah. It is 1984's... <laughs> Gremlins.
1: Gremlins. <laughs> I want to see it in theaters that would be so much fun yeah I uh-huh. love gremlins <clears throat> so okay. Okay. wait well we got to do we got to start with this
2: mm-hmm.
1: don't get him wet yeah keep him out of bright light don't feed him after midnight
0: <laughs> they were talking about me. Um, <clears throat> so, gremlins. Yeah, that's not is, Gremlins, that's Mel. That's me. Gremlins has become a cultural thing where most people, like, you know, know by now, like, you know, oh, like, Gremlin has become a thing to refer to basically, like, your, like, nieces and nephews and younger siblings as fucking little Gremlins. But for those of you who don't know, Gremlins is super fucking freaky. Gremlins um, is super Long funny. before, basically, this guy gets, like, a living Furby from a Chinese um, like, dealer of strange things. Um, it's got a mm-hmm. name in the, that's not gremlin in the- in the, the Mogwai. Film. The Mogwai. And basically what ends up happening is, the rules are you can't get it wet, you gotta keep it out of bright lights, don't feed it after midnight. Because bad <laughs> shit happens. <laughs> bad shit will happen. Which one of
1: my favorite things about like gremlins in general is when um, people are like, well, what is after midnight end? Isn't everything after midnight oh. some <laughs> midnight in the past? <laughs>
0: anyway, but um, yeah. So basically, what ends up happening is they turn from these nice furry things to these like creepy little like lizard face, mm-hmm. like fucking demonic creatures. Um, and there's one everyone's favorite gizmo, the like Pikachu of the Gremlins. He's great. <laughs> um, but they're fucking freaky. Like, it's like, and this is like a precedent for how scary Furbies were was, like, Gremlins. Like, Yeah. Like, That's why I fucking hated Furbies. Yeah. And I
1: never understood why people wanted them, why people liked them. And I was like, it's because you haven't seen Gremlins.
0: Yeah. But these things are so freaky. Like, they, like, they, like, try and kill everyone. They torture. Poor Gizmo. I <laughs> know. Um, um. They run around and cause havoc. They're, like, really freaky. Um, And it's just, like, a really, like... It is kind of... A lot of people will watch it as, like, part of their, like, Christmas movie lineup. Is like, you have to watch (laughs) Gravelin. Oh, yeah. I watch it every year around this time of year. Yeah. Along Um, with Black Christmas. Yeah. But, um... Um, It's more... It's, like, a mix of, like, horror and black comedy and a Christmas movie. (laughs) It's, like, the strangest...
1: Three-way combination. And it's, like, one of the best horror comedies out there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And Joe Dante directed. Joe Dante, who we've talked about in past episodes. Chris Columbus wrote it. (laughs) Yeah. And he's, like, really, really good at um, that amazing line of horror and comedy and kind of executing it right, Um, which he does with Gremlins. He did with the sequel. He did with The Howling. Um, He just understands how to craft, like, a simple, good film. Mm -hmm. And what I've always loved about Gremlins is that he made it, like, for those kids out there who wanted and could handle, like, a good scare.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of it is very, like, funny and cute and that sort of thing, and then a lot of it is, like, really freaky.
1: Dark, yeah. yeah, and and like that was me, like growing up, like I, I wanted that. So like, this was a movie that like was made for mm-hmm. us, essentially. Yeah, and so whenever I was like, oh, no,
0: I want to watch like <sighs> Doctor Seuss's How the Grinch Stole it's like we're putting on Gremlins. Um,
1: we're putting on Gremlins,
0: damn it! Yeah, yeah, and I remember being like super freaked out by it, and being like, holy shit, Gremlins. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 such a strange like and there's nothing I can compare it to because it's such an an amalgamation of black comedy and horror and Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it's
1: incredible. And Christmas. Yeah, because like the uh the town, what's the fuck the name of the town? No, I don't remember. Uh something falls. Anyway, it's like it's purposely like it's like this picturesque like Norman Rockwell Christmas town and stuff or whatever and then Joe Dante just explodes it all with all this like hidden darkness that like Mm -hmm. fucks with every like quiet suburban Christmas movie you could ever think of or whatever like the classic movie theater and the department stores and um the the bar and all the quaint family homes and then like everything gets fucked up by the gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Like, because sometimes like that's what you want to do at Christmas yeah. and you want to just like fuck this bullshit. Um, and and, and like, that's that's, like, that's when you watch Gremlins. Yeah, <laughs>
0: and it's like a really. um... Like that's one of my favorite things that they do that people do in horror movies is like fuck up something that's supposed to be safe and quiet and fun like you know that's kind of like what they do with Edward Scissorhands where it's like this crazy little pastel suburban community and it's like let's make it ridiculous and let's you know turn it on its head and that sort of thing with mm-hmm. that neighbor who keeps like hitting on him or whatever was that it somebody was like yeah. trying to trying to get in his <laughs> pants um but yeah gremlins
1: gremlins love it that's a great one mm-hmm. another one i like to watch at this festive time of year is uh silent night deadly night yes. <laughs> or any of the any of the sequels really um there are, uh uh 80s, 80s slashers um where Well, okay, so in the first one, our origin story is Billy sees his parents get murdered by someone dressed up as Santa Claus.
0: Much like Batman.
1: Yes. So he's traumatized, and then years later, he feels like he's gotten over all of the mental, psychological anguish. Uh, But then he gets a job at a toy store, and he has to fill in as Santa Claus, and so the trauma breaks through and then he just snaps and starts like going gets triggered by being Santa. <laughs> He's triggered by Santa Claus and like, Oh my God. Um, and it's total like silent night, deadly night is just like peak sleazy exploitation horror. And I love every single minute. And of it's
0: it. not even serial <laughs> or slasher. It's like spree killing. Um, is yeah. The thing that they call it where basically it's just like, fuck shit up like it's like grand theft auto but with santa claus
1: yeah yeah it's just i mean she just fuck shit up also, and like, it's hilarious a great and backstory fun.
0: for a, a, a killer <laughs> i know right he was triggered by santa claus mm-hmm. triggered by santa
1: claus and like you know if you think about it santa claus is kind of a creepy fuck so. Oh my
0: god, no, totally. There's there's this whole school of thought where they're like, it's kind of really freaky to think about this guy watching you all year round and telling your kids that Santa's watching and he's gonna come into your house and leave. Yes. Yeah. I watched last night um for the eighteen millionth time road to the North Pole. Nice. <laughs> With Santa Claus is Um. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's that's a good one.
1: Yeah, I I like those ones. Um what else is worth mentioning? There's, a, be surprised how many Christmas horror. I
0: movies think a recent one a lot were. of people probably saw or know about was Krampus. Um, yeah, Michael Dougherty, which, who you know that we love and worship. Love him. Um, he's great. He continues to promise um, to make trick or treat too.
1: And I assume now that Krampus is out of the way. Because that's a, I mean that was released last year that he what he was working on for so long, um, I assume he like that will actually be. yeah no soon. I
0: believe him it's just funny that he's like keeps like he's like no I swear it's happening. oh I know
1: no I swear I swear yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah so uh,
0: Krampus and it's interesting mm-hmm. so I had a bunch of German kids over at my apartment the other night because um, they're here all the immigrants are friends <laughs> in Canada <laughs> um, now my they go to school with my roommate but. Um, I was asking them about it because I was like, yeah, like Krampus. And they're like, yeah, like for them or whatever, wherever they're from, it's not like a huge thing, I guess. But Krampus is basically um, the anti-Santa Claus in sort of Slavic, um, Northern European, Germanic culture. And he looks literally like Satan, um, if you see renditions of him. And he basically, his function Mm -hmm. is that instead of getting cold when you're bad in these countries, like you get fucked up by Krampus. Like if you've been naughty, he will show up and like, fuck your shit up. Right. Um, And if you've been extra naughty, he'll take you. Yeah. He'll just snatch you right up. Um, Snatch you. But yeah. So the idea here, and it has a great opening, like, and it's like the moral of this film is what every moral of a Christmas movie is, is like, Oh, materialism. And we all suck at Christmas, but the opening is this great scene of like Black Friday, played with some Christmas carol or the, like I Silent Night or something.
1: Love that scene. They filmed it in one
0: day. Yeah, and like which is insane. It's these people like tripping each other and basically doing every awful thing you've ever heard happen on Black Friday, like as like Silent Night or some sort of like really meaningful Christmas song plays over top, and then you come oh, to, oh yeah, what the fuck plays? You uh, um, I forget. I'm trying to, it's, like it's beginning to really, look a lot like Christmas. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah. It's like so I ironic think. and great and beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then you cut to this family of like this like German American family. Cause the, the dad is, is his mother's like from Germany and only speaks German. Cause we have to have at least one person who knows, yeah. um, And then so basically what's happening is, like, he's working a lot and they have family coming over and they kind of don't want to deal with that. And they're all just kind of all the shit that we say at Christmas, we're like, oh, fuck, like, I don't want to see, like, Aunt Tess again or, like, have to talk about, like, my college major. And, like, basically everything Mm -hmm. you've ever said about being with your family at Christmas is, like, what's going on in this family right now. Like, all the annoying shit of the holidays and, like, the grandmother's, like warning the kid like yeah like we need to chill out like everyone needs to be nice she's doing this in german everyone needs to be nicer and stuff or like you know there's like bad things that can happen and they're like whatever
1: oh sorry sorry no keep going
0: no i think there's something there's like something with a coin or something that i'm missing like somebody gets handed like a coin or some kind of like the bell the bell that's it yeah so this kid they get a bell and that's what cues in this like old rustic little bell and that cues in grandma that something like fucked up is about to happen she's like oh shit it's Krampus because she it turns out Uh once once escaped Krampus's reign of terror Um, right But basically, and it's so freaky, she's like, Santa isn't coming this year. And you're like, fuck, I'm actually scared. Um, But basically (laughs) what happens is is this massive, crazy, like, day after tomorrow, Blizzard rolls into town. And, like, to the point where people are, like, freezing in their own homes. And then you just see this massive Satan-cloaked figure stalking out in the night. And he's like comes into the house and he sends in his like freaky little very much Minions. Mike, Mike Dogerty like designed
1: oh shit. yeah.
0: like straight out of a uh, a scene in scarehouse these weird little gremlin <laughs> creatures um and yeah they like start picking off the family like the i think the the daughter goes out and ends up getting killed or eaten cuz she was like right, go over her friends
1: Um, it's like before they realize what's happening one of the
0: little annoying kids gets like eaten whole because part of this is also like pretty funny too like it's also got elements of black comedy and uh basically it ends with kind of like one of the better versions of like the nod to like is it over yet like that people do at the end of horror movies where it's like okay it's christmas it's chill but, as you pan out, you see that the chill Christmas is taking place inside of a snow globe in Krampus' workshop, so it's like, "hmm,
1: I love the ending, yeah, um, and the <laughs> debate surrounding it it's such a it's such a like demented little delightful mm-hmm. movie, um, and totally just like. It's like, it is, it's just, you know, it's just trick or treat at Christmas time. Yeah, no, that's literally what it is. Which is why I like it so much. Um, And it's bleak, but hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, I don't know. I feel like it's interesting. Like as you were talking about it, I feel like this was like Mike Doherty's way of like carrying the torch from Joe Dante. Yeah. Like Krampus is like a spiritual successor to Gremlins in a way. That's kind of how like I was thinking about it yeah. cuz they they're both crafted the no, same yeah, way. They both the little, have like the same tone. That, yeah, the same tone that sort of like sharp I I don't
0: know. It, it, it's, yeah, yeah. they're, they're... It's like not, an emotional like, a, successor to, like, it wouldn't have happened if yeah. Gremlins hadn't happened first.
1: Hadn't happened first. Like, now that I'm, like, thinking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I want to, like, I want to think about this more. I want to, like, yeah flush this out more. But that's... Yeah, and
0: it's probably the closest thing we have present day to Gremlins and, like, the entire thought process yeah. behind Gremlins. Um But, yeah, and it was... <laughs> You know, it's not, like, a good movie, but it's, like, really entertaining. And, like, it's Mike Dougherty, so of course I'm going to see it. Oh, Um, yeah. But, no, and it was definitely worth a watch because it's, you know, there aren't really many jump scares. A lot of it is, like, sort of fun, demented scare and, like, just the idea of this sort of, like, looming blizzard and this, you know, creature out in the the wilderness outside, basically, that has become (laughs) their suburban... um, road and the isolation and stuff, but um and it's also kind of, it's really funny too. Like the kid when he it's, gets yeah. eaten, it's like really funny. <laughs> it is. Um but yeah. And the ending the
1: really good. the like, like demonic gingerbread cookies yeah. and shit show up and like try to shoot the uncle. Like that's like that's funny.
0: Yeah they start they try to like operate the shotgun. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh and uh Adam Scott is in it yep. and Tony Colette. It's kind um, of they're a great the, cast too. The parents. Um David Cochner. Yeah. It's uh Alison Tolman, mm-hmm. who I really love from Fargo. Um it's Fargo. fun. It's
0: so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> no, you need to this is Sea Krampus.
1: Sea Krampus. Um
0: it was really good. There's there's no like even people who don't like horror I think can appreciate this because it's not really super gory. There's not many jump scares. Um mm-hmm. And It's like you know 2014 or whenever it came out, it's a version of Gremlins, so
1: yeah, just last year.
0: No, did it? Yeah, which, I don't know, I know what time which seems it is. Crazy. it's crazy. Like, it's like in dog years, or it's like, I don't know. Well, be because 2016 minutes, took
1: like three decades to get through. There's a
0: party, I can't go to it because I work New Year's Eve. There's a party at a, a couple at this bar downtown that's called uh, Fuck 2016 that's happening <laughs> the night of. My New Year's Eve is going to consist of me and two other guys working, but the one guy's wife is bringing champagne, and I'm going to bring a cheese board because we're going to be the only three people <laughs> in the place, so we're just going to like party and we're going to make a playlist. Ooh, I'm throwing pens. Um, and it's going to be great. Delightful. So that's Mel's New Year's Eve.
1: Delightful. But New um, yeah. Year's Eve. Cramp, cramps. New Year's Eve. Yeah. Do you have another? I guess speaking of New. New Year's Eve. Well, just I'll just say quickly. Um, if you want a New Year's horror movie, Ooh. there's a film called New Year's Evil about a radio DJ who gets stalked by a serial killer. It's um, obviously not very good. Surprise, surprise.
0: <laughs> but if you want it, it's there for you.
1: But if you want it, it's there for you. Um, and I mean, there's a shit ton of Christmas horror movies. Yes. Um,
0: Thanks, Blackfish.
1: Some not so good like Santa Slay, that's S L A Y, and um, some okay. Uh,
0: Jack Frost. Oh yeah, that was kind of um, freaky. R- and not to be confused school. with the Jack Frost, where the dad dies and turns. Michael turns into, <laughs> into a snowman. Not that one. It's a different not movie. That one. Different one. Yeah,
1: that one's okay. A Silent Night, Bloody Night is okay. Christmas Horror Story is okay.
0: Um, Um, Holidays. Holidays is is
1: out there. Rare Exports is actually surprisingly good. Um, Technically, Child's Play takes place Mm -hmm. at Christmas time. So you could get your dose of Chucky in. Oh, gosh. Um, Oh, oh, fucking, okay. One I love, The Children. Oh, yeah. British movie. These like, two families. They go to this, like, country cabin and stuff or whatever for, like, the holidays. Um, They bond, winter fun, da-da-da-da-da. And then once they get there, one of the kids gets sick. Mm-hmm. And then all the kids start acting strangely. And the ad- adults don't realize the disturbing truth behind this until it's a bit too late.
0: I feel like this was on rec- – like, I just watched it on TV somewhere, and I feel like it was on Chiller.
1: <laughs> I think I watched it on a whim, possibly through Chiller, and ended up really, really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it surprised me. Also, P2 is a mm-hmm. – and kind of creepy Christmas movie. Um, that's the one. It was that was a bigger release a couple years ago. Um, she's in a parking garage on Christmas Eve, and uh, someone else is also there,
0: which is like everyone's worst fear. So
1: yeah. So that's all I can think of right now. To provide a list. And considering there's only like ten days till Christmas and even less by the time this episode goes up, you won't <laughs> be able to
0: watch it, so. <laughs> so, you know, I'm gonna try yeah, I'll get this out before Christmas. Yeah. Maybe I'll edit it tonight because yeah. we had some tech. Because my internet sucks. But yes, you will have this in time at least to have a freight-filled Christmas Eve. Or Indeed. at least a Canadian the best film-filled winter. <laughs> But, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's all the Christmas, besides every single Christmas horror movie ever made. Right, Um, right. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, so, I'm going to do that thing I do where I rattle the things off. Please do. You can email us at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at splatterchatter666 minus the vowels, or if it's too much work, just search it the way you think it's spelled. Um, you can find us on Twitter at splatterchatter666. You can find Craig's blog at splatterchatter666.blogspot.com, and we are kind of on Tumblr. We have a Tumblr, but it's not super active. Uh, splatterchatter, just splatterchatter.tumblr.com. And, um, yeah. I think
1: I got yeah, I'm going to try to get out a review of... One Christmas horror movie or another on the mm-hmm. blog. Oh, and the I Diss- will
0: be doing for a year end, um on my other writing thing. I'll be doing the three best, my personal three best horror films that came out this year.
1: Nice. Yeah. I. Sh- oh, I should do a companion piece for the blog. Yeah.
0: Look at us making content.
1: How about that? Generating stuff.
0: Yeah. And um,
1: yeah, tweet us your favorite christmas horror movies canadian horror movies mm-hmm. what are you watching this time of year yeah. um or um if you take a, anything we said let us know what you think yeah uh, and have a lovely holiday yeah hanukkah christmas Kwanzaa, new year Festivus, any best. of those all of those a sunday yeah <laughs> sunday yeah enjoy them all and um i guess we will see you all in 2017 oh boy cheers to a well obviously a horror failed 2017 but a different kind of horror Mm -hmm. than 2016 (laughs) world war z style basically fake horror (laughs) oh uh, speaking of world war Z, 2 should be out next year (laughs)
0: I was forced to see that movie. I wasn't going to see it. And then my cousin went to see it. And my mother was like, you have to entertain him. So I went to go see it. But, yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah. So, I guess, on that note, we'll say happy holidays. Yes. And au revoir. Adios. Dasvidan.
0: Naio.